Amen. Y'all, as we were just singing that last song, um, you know, when you sing a song, different things come to you each time you sing it. You know, it's so the first time we sang it. I got one thing, but today in this service, I just kept thinking about, man, what, was, what is it like, or one day, what will it be like in heaven when the Lord introduces us as his people? That's neat, right? For us to say, no, I'm one of his, uh, and for him to speak that man, over us today through his word. You are a child of the living God. The creator of the universe is your king. And he calls you his own. That's good stuff. That is good stuff. We've been preaching through uh, the Sermon on the Mount, the section called the Beatitudes, if it's your first or one of your first Sundays here. Um, today we're going to be looking at this verse, Matthew 5, 8, in just a little bit. Blessed are the pure in heart. Um, but before we do, I, I want to do a quick um, recap uh, just over the last few weeks um, one, um, uh, just when we started uh, a few weeks ago, we opened up by Jesus saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he went into blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And he said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And then last week, we looked at what it means to be merciful, as we remember Jesus' words when he said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Um, now, just about every Sunday, people are very, most of the time, you know, very kind on the way out. And they're like, man, that was a good sermon. I like that. And a couple things that pointed out. Um, but, man, last week in particular, uh, we, we've had three or four, I've had three or four conversations, in-depth conversations with, with church um, family um, that, are, that are like me and many times in my life really wrestling with that idea of what it means to be merciful, specifically. How to show mercy, um, specifically, um, to those in our lives. And I think all of us, if not right now, at different times in our lives, can, can identify with this. How to show mercy to those who either, one, don't want it, or two, don't return it, right? Like you're just merciful after merciful after merciful. There's never a return on that. Um, so before we get into the pure in heart, I just wanted to share... Man, just five things that I've shared with those with other folks this week, and maybe that's you. You know, if it's not, totally get it because we all go through different times. But specifically, if there's someone in your life right now that you're just having a difficult time being merciful towards, because Jesus does say, if you are merciful, you will receive mercy, and we all want to receive the mercy of the Lord. But we know that is tough because the world is difficult. These are five things I do. If it helps, that's wonderful. If not, if you want to talk more about this, please let me know. Um, because I've really enjoyed those conversations as we're kind of, you know, we're saying, hey, we want to be like Christ together. So these are five things I do when I'm trying to be merciful in difficult relationships. One, um, I pray for my own heart in mind. To me, that's where we start, all right? So if you've got somebody in life right now that's just wearing you out and you're trying to be merciful, but it is so stinking difficult, I would start by praying for yourself, all right? You're going to want to start by praying for them. That's the next one. But it starts by praying for ourselves. Lord, renew my mind, renew my heart. Help me in this moment. There are some, I'm not going to name names because that would be awkward. But like, you know what I'm talking about. Like if, if somebody calls on the phone and you see the number and your first thought is, oh man, you know, don't point, point to them on three. One, two, no, none of them are go to church here. We're all family. But knowing that if there is someone in your life that is like that, there is absolutely nothing wrong when you get a text or an email or a phone call from that person. Take a few seconds and simply ask the Lord to help your mind and your heart in the conversations about to take place. I just start there. Lord, help me 
Be merciful to other people. It starts with me. Second, pray for the other person's heart and mind. Pray for the other person's heart and mind. Take it to the Lord. God knows us. He knows who we're struggling with. He knows what we're struggling with. He knows who we like. He knows who we don't like. The Lord is sovereign. Like he knows all these things. And he wants us to pray for one another. Pray for those that love you well. Pray for people in your household, the kids, parents, you know, those that you're like, hey, they bring joy to my heart. Also pray for those that it's difficult to love. All right? It's biblical. It might start with a prayer like, smite them, Lord. You know, just like wipe them out. Start there. Just take it to the Lord. Be honest. This isn't to take to everyone. This is what we take to his throne of grace. Take it to the Lord and ask him to do the things that you cannot do. The Lord can soften a hardened heart. The Lord can reach parts of the mind that we will never be able to reach. The Lord can restore and renew things that seem impossible. Had a gentleman on the way out. I hope it's okay. I'm not share his name, but on the way out, he quoted that. He's been a Christian for a very long time. And on the way out the door, he said, I had to learn how to forgive my first wife and show her mercy. He said, I prayed for her for a long time. But now, and he put his arm around his girl, he said, we've been married 48 years. <laughs> I was like, it's just neat to see how the Lord has worked. But his whole thing was, he said he had to start by asking the Lord to remove any parts of his heart that were hindering his prayers from getting to the Lord by saying, Lord, help me bring this difficult situation or even broken relationship to you. Be willing to pray for the other person's heart and mind. Ask someone to hold you accountable. If you have 12,000 friends on social media, I'm not saying ask all of them to hold you accountable. I'm saying it would be helpful to ask one or two trusted brothers or sisters in Christ to hold you accountable. One or two people that you can go to. And I have some that are sitting in this room right now that know some folks that, I mean, just we all go through hard times. But one or two people who you can go to and say, it's been a hard week. I have had a difficult conversation that already have a little bit of the backstory. They can step right in and go, all right, let's watch this. Let's not let this go in places it shouldn't go. We'll watch you out for each other in this. It's very, very biblical to have one or two people that can hold you accountable in that. For spend more time thanking God for his mercy. Something I've had to train myself to do. When I'm frustrated at someone who's not receiving my mercy or it keeps coming back like they ain't worthy of it, I try to spend more time dwelling on how good the Lord has been to me. Dwell more on that. Thank him for his mercy. Goodness, come in the driveway after a long day, sit there for 30, 45 seconds or longer if you need to and run through some things that the Lord has done for you. Dwell on that. And then the fifth one's don't give up because it's hard. Jesus did it. He calls us to do it even though it's not easy. So today we're getting into blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God, which is pretty impressive. Throughout the Old Testament, people wanted to see the Lord, but it seems like consistently he said, you can't handle this. Like I'm too much for you to see. Take your shoes off. Look at the ground. I'll pass by. I'll do like a little whisper out there. You can't contain what the Lord is bringing. And yet Jesus says, if our, according to Jesus, if our hearts are pure, we will see God. Another lady on the way out after first service said a song that's been stuck in her mind this week is soon and very soon. Does anybody know that old song? Who wants to come on stage and sing it? It's a good one. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Lord, king, king. Praise God, I got that one right. That's good. But this idea, y'all, that's truthful. We will see God one day. We're going to see him. And Jesus says, one, we know how we will see him, the gospel. We're going to get there again. 
But he says that the pure in heart are promised to see the Lord. You ever have times in your life where you want to see him more than other times in your life? It'd be pretty neat if I could say, Jesus, come on in. Let me introduce you to my friend. He just walked through the door. That, I've always wished for that. and It's never happened. But knowing that one day, according to Scripture, we will see him face to face if we know him, if he is our Lord. Scripture says he runs towards us like a father runs towards his children. How do we receive that? How do we experience and trust in that? Jesus says, by having a pure heart, which is difficult. The pure in heart are those whose pursuit of purity affects every area of their life. My wife's great-grandmother is one of the best cooks I have ever known in my entire life. She makes everything, made everything well, including homemade biscuits, which I am still working on, and I had a few people give me counsel after first, and I'm okay to receive more counsel on this. I keep adding things to my homemade biscuit recipe that she wrote down that I don't think she really had written down. She just wrote it down for the family, like, sure, you want to make some, do it like this. It's still off. You ever tried to make something? It's just a little bit off. Mine are still a little bit salty, all right? Every time I make these biscuits, made them about 12, 15 times now, we bite into one, like, that's okay, and then you bite in the next bite, and you get a little thing of salt in there, and my kids say, Dad, stick with southern-style frozen Pillsbury biscuit, like, we can crush that, right? The oven's at 375. It even preheats wirelessly now. It's magical. But knowing that I'm, I'm, I've challenged myself to do this. So I keep taking out elements and trying to add new things. I'm trying to figure out how to make them not salty. They look good. They smell good. And they have the right texture. But when you bite into them, you go, great grandma didn't make that. You know, 38-year-old Danny did. I'm also the same guy that in high school, don't students, most of our students are in team service right now, don't be like me in this, but I, um, I actually did pretty well in 9th, 10th, 11th grade, right? I studied pretty hard. Nah, okay, I made decent grades. So come 12th grade, they came to me. Advisor came and said, hey, you have a lot of free classes that you can take. You can take calculus and physics and astronomy. You can take like college prep classes. You can get college credit. And I said, no, nah, I think I'm good. So I signed up for an extra band class an extra drama class, which I wasn't even in, and a foods class, because a girl I was really hoping to date was in the foods class. She never dated me, but I did get in the foods class with her. And in that class, y'all, always remember the first day, she said, the teacher said, bring a box cake, like a box, just go to the store, pick up a box, bring it to class, we're gonna make a cake, because I can do that. So I brought the box cake, and I sat down on the counter, and somehow I was sitting next to a girl, I was hoping to date, it wasn't my wife, it was pre-Shante days, not anything like what I have now, but we were there, and, and the, she said, all right, go, and we add all the ingredients, and we put it in the oven, but I was a little distracted. So the, I, I, I pulled the, we pulled the cake out of the oven, and it was just a soupy mess. Like just, it was a disaster. The teacher came by and said, what did you do? I was like, I don't know. I did everything on the box. Like everything the box said, I did. It's just something's wrong. The box, I think the box is wrong. And she said, like this teacher was good at what she did. She picked up the powder, like the cake powder from the box that was still in the bag that I didn't add you know, you know how you can't make a cake by not adding the cake, but you got to add it to have a cake. It's crazy. The ingredients make a ton of difference. Sometimes in life, it's basic stuff. Like, why is this cake a mess? Because you didn't add all the right ingredients. Why are the biscuits salty? Because you're doing something incorrectly. But when it comes to our spiritual lives, most people in the world cannot see the inward result 
that sometimes is contradictory to the outward appearance of what is going on. Meaning that every one of us in the culture that we live in, or I believe, in my opinion, currently living and raising the next generation in the most selfish, self-centered group of people that have ever walked on planet Earth. Where everything can look good. Not just like kind of good, like 1,200 filters on Instagram. Everything looks so stinking good all the time outwardly, but inside, we're a bunch of messed up cakes sometimes. Or inside, a little too much salt, a little bit too much one degree. Like inside, the balance is off. And to me, that goes against what Jesus says here. For he says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It would have been a lot easier if he said, blessed are those who have it all together on the outside. But Jesus doesn't say that. He says, blessed are those who on the inside, the areas of life that no one else can see, the little corners of our hearts and souls and minds that no one else knows about, everybody else thinks it's one way, but deep in here it's something different. Blessed are those folks who's experienced the light of God in every one of those areas, who are pure in that. The Greek word for pure is katharos, has a variety of meanings, all of which I think add to the meaning of this beatitude can mean three things. One, pure, meaning to cleanse, to clean or to cleanse. Specifically being used in a lot of other writings in this time when people referenced washing clothes, like dirty clothes that need washing, like a wash rock, for example. You know, you need to wash the clothes, wash all the dirty elements out, purify the clothing from anything that is contaminated, make them dirty. Second use is for corn, which has been sifted and cleansed of all other particles. Same word, for an army that has been purged or purified of all discontented, cowardly, unwilling, insufficient soldiers, leaving only first-class soldiers ready to fight. It can be also used to describe milk or wine in Jesus' day that was unmixed with water, just pure, unmixed with any other elements. And Jesus, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. One of the ways we could read that is blessed are those whose motives are always entirely unmixed. That's pretty good, but also quite difficult. Blessed are those who do everything perfectly. <laughs> Snap, like, give me a break, Jesus. Like, Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to do away with it. So we will hear some in our culture now saying, because of the grace of Christ, we are freed to do what we want. That's not in the Bible. Because of the grace of Christ, we are forgiven when we fall short. The demand, the target, the bullseye has never changed. The bullseye in the Christian faith is perfection, which means God, God demands that we be perfect, which is hard because none of us are perfect, which is why God sends his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, to make us perfect in him. To know that Jesus has blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God means that those who are following Christ's example are to consistently examine ourselves and check our hearts. Why do you do what you do? Why do you do the good things you do? 
Why do you give? Why do you serve? Why do you love? Why do you share? For most of us, I think, that go to church, most of us that are trying to be like Christ, we would say we want to honor the Lord, we want to be like Him, and we want to praise His name. But I would encourage you, whether you're not a Christian yet, and you're just kind of coming to church, checking out, seeing what's taught here, seeing what's inside of you that's drawing you towards something else, or you've been a Christian for 50 or 60 or 70 years, this principle never changes. We have to continually check our hearts. Because when we don't, Other things can get in there. Other motives can get in the way. We can begin to get distracted. To examine our motives is a daunting and oftentimes difficult thing. For there are few things in this world that even the best of us do with complete unmixed motives. You ever had to work on like a family budget? You ever get the end of the month and you go, where'd all the money go? That's kind of weird. You look it up and you're like, we spent $12,000 at Chick-fil-A this month. Like that's a... (laughs) That might be where it went, you know? It's fall season, we have excuses, I get it. Like, I'm right there. It's not easy, is it, to examine it, to open the numbers and look at it, but we have to, or you're gonna be broke, right? You gotta do this kind of stuff. Spiritually, it's the same. We have to examine our hearts to check the purity level. It never gets easier, I don't think, but we can become more used to doing it, knowing that God wants us to be like Christ, all the time, which means we have to continue to come back and say, is there any area of my life that is currently not like Jesus? Because Jesus is concerned with our hearts, not just the external. Jesus had a way of walking up to people and saying things that nobody else was able to say. You ever notice that in the New Testament? A lot of times he's like, I know what you're thinking over there. And he straight up call him out. And the guys over there are like, how did he know what I was thinking? How did he know that? Jesus had an ability to see into the hearts of other people, which most of us aren't able to do. Which means that most of us gathered here, hearing these words right now, can walk into a church service on a Sunday, praise the Lord, look good on the outside, everything's going okay, and then walk out unchanged on the inside or still holding a part of our inside heart or our mind that we're not really ready to give to the Lord yet because no one else knows about it. Jesus has the ability to cut straight into it and say, I want it all. I just want to know about all of it. I want to experience all of it. I want to forgive you for all of it. Jesus addressed this topic with some folks in his day. seems like some of the harshest things he had to say were to church people, which intimidates me because I am what some might call a church person, right? I even had a kid dress up as me at Trunk or Treat. That's fun. Do anybody see what he was wearing? This, you know, like, <laughs> Jugger crushed it. Like, he was crushing it. But knowing that, even as a Christian, even as a cheesy 38-year-old dad that likes to wear vest and khaki pants, hear this, I can fake my spirituality with the best of them. And so can you. God is good all the time. Thank you, Jesus. While on the inside... It may be a complete disaster. And what does Jesus do to the Holy Spirit? Jesus through the Holy Spirit says, oh, no, I want it all. I want to convict you, which is an unpopular word in our current culture. If you're currently in a place where you think God's never going to say anything to wreck my world, he's never going to say anything to hurt my feelings, that's a cute idea, but it's not in the Bible. Jesus consistently goes straight to the heart and says, I want to address this. Even when everybody else thinks it looks differently. He says that to a group of guys called the Pharisees. In Matthew 23, verses 25 to 26, Jesus says, and he just goes all in, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Like, that's harsh. When's the last time you looked at someone and said, you're an utter hypocrite? That's just not something I say often. But Jesus did. 
Now, I read this, and I thank the Lord that I'm not like the Pharisees most of the time. Like, Lord, help me not be like the Pharisees, much as thinking hypocrites. There's another passage of Scripture, one of Jesus' best friends, whose name is Peter, who walked around with Jesus for three years, said something, kids, cover your ears, dumb. And Jesus turned around and said to him, get behind me, Satan. Hey, that's hardcore. And I don't think he did it in a sweet, silly voice. I think Jesus laid it out. Why? Peter's heart in that moment was not pure. The Pharisees' hearts in this moment weren't pure. And Jesus is saying, I'm sick of it. What does he say? You clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and the plate. And the outside also may be clean. Wow. What's Jesus saying to the church folks of his day? That's cute. You look all good on the outside, but inside you need a dishwasher, right? I mean, Jesus didn't play. Y'all, I'm just wrestling with myself this morning up in front of other people. Like, what does that mean? I'm a church person. It means we have to, even as church people, even as redeemed followers of Christ, if you are, we have to continue to check our hearts and say, Lord, is there an area of my, are there a couple of cups in the cupboard that we're stacking away for later? You know, Sunday morning, we're going to praise the Lord, but Thursday night's coming. You know what I mean? Like, I want to pull that one back out. Is there any area of our life in which the Lord may be saying through the Holy Spirit, I want all the cups. I want the outside to match the inside. If the inside's a mess, he says, let it be fine on the outside. Who does Jesus identify the easiest with in the scripture? Those that come to him broken and dirty and say, Lord, I'm broken and dirty. To me, if you're looking for a formula, which I'm, there aren't many of those in the Christian faith, like do these five things and this will happen to me, the, the Beatitudes are a perfect setup for it because anytime we start struggling with one of them, to me, it's like the Lord says, just go back to the beginning. Check your heart. Are you poor in spirit? Are you mourning your sin? Are you being meek? Are you hungering and thirsting after me? Are you being merciful? Then we can get to the pure in heart. Almost as a start to ending finish. The Pharisees knew the law. These guys had portions of the Old Testament memorized. Jesus was reminding them that even though they were trying to fulfill the law, they still were falling short in it. That's why some guys ask Jesus questions like, I think I'm pretty good at life. Jesus said to them when they asked about getting into heaven, love the Lord God, your heart, soul, mind, strength, love the Lord, love your neighbor as yourself. And they have this conversation one guy comes up to Jesus and says, I've never murdered anybody. I've never committed adultery with anybody. Like he's, he's quoting the law. And what does Jesus do? He takes the law and he raises it. So you never murdered anybody? You ever had any malice in your heart? You ever hated somebody in your heart? I never committed adultery. So you never thought lustfully about another person? What does Jesus do? This is the standard. What is Jesus doing? He's raising it. Why? Because he knew, y'all, that as Men and women, we cannot purify our hearts by ourselves. It's his whole purpose. It makes me wonder if when he's saying these things sometimes, if they had a camera, if he was back there going like, hello, like, it's me. He's the only way that it can be done. The heart is who you are. The part that no one knows about but God alone, which is why we read in 1 Samuel 16, 17, man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the Jesus warned the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 27 in the same conversation, the religious folks of his day, 
gets even more hardcore. He says, you are a bunch of whitewashed tombs. Outwardly appear beautiful. Look at, these are the words of Christ. But within are full of dead people's bones and uncleanness. What is Jesus saying? He's saying you look good on the outside, but on the inside you're a mess. And then Jesus says, what in Matthew 5, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So when David writes these, this is on a screener thing, words like this, in, in Psalm 139, search my, oh, I'm sorry, where shall I go from your spirits? Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? In the verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. Have you ever said that to the Lord? That sounds like a bold move. Try me. <laughs> I don't think you said it like that, but like, try me and know my thoughts. Test me, other scriptures, other translations, and see if there be any grievous ways in me and lead me in the way of the everlasting. What is David saying to the Lord there? He's saying, search my heart, God, all of it. Test me in this. Y'all, we can't purify our hearts by ourselves. Jesus is reminding everyone hearing these words for the first time, the same thing I believe he's been reminding me this week. We cannot do this without the Christ. But the standard doesn't change. He wants us to have a pure heart. That's why another one of his best friends, John, in 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 to 9 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. This is, this is where we have to, we've got to wrestle with this. No one can answer this question but you, for yourself. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have to check our hearts. Is there an area of your life, an area of your heart that no one else can see that is currently not living out its best life now in the light of the Lord? He wants all of it. If you're struggling this morning because you feel as if everyone on the outside sees the filtered, hashtagged, everything is good, one, know that God knows your heart. Whichever way you're coming to this from, if you're coming to it, or in a different way, we'll do three. If you're coming to it and saying, Lord, I don't think anyone else knows what it's like to be me. No one else knows my heart. I am trying my best to live this way in front of everybody else, but inside, Lord, I am struggling. I want you to know that the God I know and talk to every day knows your heart and wants to know you. He came for all of it. He's not waiting for a cup on Sunday and a cup on Thursday and a, to wash clean. He wants the whole cupboard right now. Also know this. If you are currently in any way acting as if every part of your life is righteous and good and perfect and clean on the outside, and you are thinking that no one is ever going to discover that unresolved sin or whatever thing you are doing that is wrong, 
know in this very moment that God does know about that, and I believe he is calling your bluff right now. And his invitation is to lay it down. What happens when we have a pure heart? We experience his presence. We are all struck by his glory, and we are comforted by his grace. How do our hearts become pure? By giving them to the Lord. Whether we did that for the first time at a vacation Bible school in the 90s like I did, or somebody's getting ready to do that today, the follow-up from that is to continually ask the Lord to search all of our hearts to make sure every piece of it is his. For when we do that, Jesus says, we will see him. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the purity of Christ. I thank you that Jesus was pure in everything that he did and said all the time. Lord, I ask for your help today for anyone that feels as if maybe in this moment everything on the outside is looking one way but on the inside it's not. Lord, may you, the God of comfort and peace, meet them where they are, remind them of your presence and remind them of your love, Lord. Through the Holy Spirit, I pray that they would just be overwhelmed with your love and your calling. For anyone today hearing these words that may be acting like everything is fine and good on the outside, but they know, Lord, there's a part of their mind or their heart or their daily or weekly activities and routine that is sinful and wrong. What a dangerous prayer, but I pray if, even if everybody else thinks it's all going okay, that you would convict all of us of any of those things right now, Lord. And remind us that Christ died for that so that we would have an opportunity to lay it down at your feet, to lay it down at the foot of the cross. God, I thank you for choosing to purify all of our hearts because of what Jesus has done. I want to see you, Lord. I want to see you in heaven and I want to experience you now. So help us to follow through with this promise of Christ to have pure hearts, Lord, so we can be in your presence. If anyone here, as you're praying right now, has never asked the Lord of the universe, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, into your heart, into your life, into your soul, may today be the day, wherever you are right now, invite them in. Jesus stands at the door and knocks and is waiting for us to open that door. Scripture says he will come in and dine with us. Book of Romans says we confess Jesus Christ as Lord of our lives and believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead. We will be saved. Lord, I want all of us to know that and to experience it. I want all of us to see you face to face one day in your presence in heaven. God, I want all of us to have pure hearts in a world that is not pure. And we know and confess that the only way we can experience that is through your goodness in Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his holy name.